Hello. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Good day. (laughs) Thanks for coming back to Unsensational. Glad you're here with us. This is this is a rambling episode and I'm pumped about it. Yep. Last episode, you got us being all mushy and some of our backstory. This one's rambling. Like we had a plan. We started, got derailed from the plan. That sounds that sounds like me. So we hope you enjoy listening. Uh, this episode, though, today's episode is brought to us by the letter I for intersex because October 26th is International Intersex Awareness Day. So shout out to everyone. Keep it intersexy. I'm so proud of you for that. <laughs> going to kick it off with a hot topic of discussion for Amy Coney Barrett, ACB, Mm. here in the United States, for those of you who may not know, is a potential nominee to our U.S. Supreme Court. There are strong feelings about her, um, as she tends to be conservative-leaning, which would mean you would have a conservative Supreme Court for many years, because it's a lifetime of service that you pledge to the courts of the of the United States. And I did not watch her nomination hearings live. Um, I watched highlighted clips afterwards, read some stuff. And one of the things that I would like to call attention to is she's well-spoken in the same way that Mike Pence is well-spoken. They almost act as a foil to Trump. If you hear them talk, it's in a very cool, reserved manner where I feel like you could just get easily seduced by their words and not really hear the underlying meaning. And I believe one of the, and I apologize that I can't remember who, but a member of Congress was asking Barrett uh, her opinion on the Black Lives Matter movement and she mentioned that she has two adopted children who are black and that we are at a time of uh, I don't know crisis of justice potentially and I'm not quoting directly here however she felt that thank goodness her children hadn't experienced racism holy crap so she's using her kids as props have you had these talks with your children? I would really like to hear more about that. I'm like, how do you know what they've actually experienced? Like, is this an active conversation you have as a parent in your household? Because she has quite a few children. I'm looking at a picture now, two, four, six, seven, seven children. That, that's pretty, that's pretty Catholic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the author of How to Be Anti-Racist, Ibram Kendi put out a tweet and I quote some white colonizers adopted black children they civilized these savage children in the superior ways of white people while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity end of story spot on 
absolutely. I think that's put perfectly. She's trying to do what a lot of, I'm going to say white people, but I think that there are other people that do it as well. But I think that a lot of white people, well, I can't, I'm not racist. Like my best friend is black. No, I've like, I've dated a black guy before. It was for like four weeks. It was super serious in grade school. You know, like they try to use these one-off experiences of their lives to almost like explain away some of their poor behavior without actually engaging in their own whiteness, which is a huge privilege that can stop you from seeing what's actually happening in a different community. He continued on with a, another tweet, which is, I mean, exactly the the same point. I'm challenging the idea that white parents of kids of color are inherently not racist and the bots completely change what I'm saying to white parents of kids of color are inherently racist. He's like, and whether this is Barrett or not is not the point. It's a belief too many white people have. If they have or adopt a child of color, then they can't be racist. It is so true. And unsurprisingly, those tweets have prompted calls for his firing from the university. Well, it's not wrong, though. He's spot on. You can't say I have, and again, I, I am not equating gender violence to the violence that's happened from racism and slavery. But in a similar vein, when people say like, no, no, like, of course I respect women. Like, I love my mom. I have two little sisters. I have a daughter. It's not this, it doesn't mean you respect them. Just because you have someone in proximity to you that's different than you doesn't mean you respect them and doesn't mean that you're doing the work to dismantle the systems that are harming and holding them down. And the fact that you think that's true is so irresponsible. So you're, and you're raising these people. You're raising them. How massively irresponsible. I saw this in passing, so I don't want to say like, I've looked into, I saw some things in passing where there were some really cool classes that I think you and I had both seen pop up. It was a while ago where you had dads going into hair salons to get practice with doing their daughter's hair. There are also, which I think is necessary, like you're a parent, you should be able to put your little girl's hair in a quick, a quick, easy braid, a quick, easy ponytail, get it out of their face. Here's how to brush it so you don't yank their neck. (laughs) There are also some really great classes for white parents who adopt, specifically at this point, it's the ones I've seen have been black children because The hair care tends to be very different. The styles of hair typically very different. And the way that hair is involved in culture is different. And so to spend the money to go to a Black business, to invest in knowing that it's important that you get this from someone in that community to help your child, like that's a step in the right direction. That's still not anti-racist that doesn't mean that you can't hold racial prejudice it doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you're cured of racism but that's a step it going toward the right way to actually love your child for who they are where they are 
I don't see what's wrong with that. Why would, why would he be fired for that? I own a swimming suit. I'm not an Olympic swimmer. Just not. I have a swimming pool that I can walk to and a swimsuit. These things are adjacent to me. You know as well as I do that people don't like being called out even on the potential accusation that they could be racist. You're exactly right. He just stated something that is uncomfortable, I think, for some white people to confront about themselves. And they're getting called out on it. And... They just flat out don't like that. Yeah, it's uncomfortable to look at your own behavior or to look at your own life and to be like, wow, I've, wow, I did some shit. That's horrible. I am embarrassed to say that when I was little and I had friends of different colors, different races, I would hold my arm up and be like, wow, like your color changes so much more than mine. That's wild. I didn't recognize the discomfort that could come from that. I didn't know. And that then that was on me and it's on what I was exposed to. Obviously, I know not to do that now. But to know that when I was little, I was causing harm and drawing extra attention to something that made someone's life harder, made someone's life less safe, made someone feel like that was the thing about them that I wanted to talk about. It's like, we've all done stuff that we're embarrassed about. We've all done stuff that doesn't feel good when people start to talk about these things that like, Oh, Hey, if you notice that you're doing something wrong, change your behavior. It's uncomfortable and it's scary. It's not, it's not, doesn't feel good to look and realize that you have warts on your face too, but you could just like freeze them off. This is completely off topic with what we started about. So we do not have to go down this road and continue talking about Barrett. But do you know what brought about the trend for white people in the summertime to want to get a tan and how that became desirable? And that's the only time that, I don't know, they're comfortable talking about skin color? I know that historically speaking, it was not desirable to have a tan on your skin as it meant that you were out working in the fields. Mm -hmm. So you, if you wanted to be kind of more of high class, that's why white powder on the faces during the Elizabethan era is where you would see it. Why she often has a very kind of white powdered face kind of meant you were of higher, higher class. Mm -hmm. And I, I just had one friend growing up who's family made fun of me and I've had this kind of across my life for oh my gosh you're so pale and it would always happen during the summertime you are you're like snow white and I love it get outside and get some sunshine and I'm like no I'm like I'm gonna slather myself in sunscreen if I'm outside I don't want to damage my skin also sunburns hurt like hell no I'm not interested in doing that I have never understood it why it is desirable to have a tan. 
I just don't get it. I have flat out no interest in it. Only point in time that it was like weird that anyone would talk about anyone's skin color growing up. And I'm like, why, why are you trying to make me feel undesirable? My God, you just opened so many things and I'm so pumped to talk about this. So you are right that moons and moons and moons ago, having the palest, most possibly translucent skin was seen as like a status symbol because you didn't have to be outside. You could stay inside, have people do things for you. That's why nobody wanted to have calloused hands. You wanted to be very quaffed, no stains or dirt on you anywhere. And the same thing about weight. And I am using fat and skinny for the words that they are. They are descriptions. I am not using them to refer to any type of slur, slur, me i'm slurring my words slur Slur. or insult in that that was also a status symbol that Mm -hmm. if you were the fat it is you could afford all the good foods and breads and meats and cheeses and wine and everything as opposed to if you were skinny it could indicate that you are poor you cannot afford the food for yourself or your family exactly so if you look at if you look at some recent changes for what we find beautiful, what we find high class, now it tends to be people that have not only over the summer, but potentially year round, you have this little tan, this glow about you. You tend to be thin. You are athletically inclined. You Maybe you do some rock climbing, maybe some trailblazing, but like some minor bumps, scars, and calluses are fine because you can get them from work. You got them from leisure. You wanted to do these activities. You earned them from being able to take time off work. So you have this really cool dichotomy in what it means to be high class, what it means to be able to make money, have money and spend it the way that you want to. So I'm, I don't know when that switch happened, but I know that what we think of as beautiful has absolutely flipped. Along with that, Looking more closely at specifically United States American history, you see this this time when, and, and it still happens all over the world, but again, I'm specifically talking about the United States, when the darkness of your skin was seen, and in some cases, in places still is, was seen as like... Um, the color of your soul, to put it lightly, because cleanliness is close to God. And so whiteness is close to God. And so the darker your skin, the harder you had to strive to get that cleanliness. And then the purity culture that really came out in the, um, I I, I would say 40s, but I feel like it was more like 50s into 60s. And then the rebellion that happened 60s into 70s. And then that explosion that happened in the the 70s, 80s, and even the 90s. You see this this shift where what it comes from, it's not a mark of your soul, but it comes a, a little bit different where they start having this idea that What is American culture? What does American culture look like? And the fact that the American culture isn't just a man, a wife, 2.2 kids running toward the American dream became very interesting to people. And that was something that because of the systemic racism 
Black families didn't necessarily have access to the same structure and generational wealth and advantages that were provided because of the color of their skin. So that this really interesting and terrifying shift happens to where the the desire is for someone to be able to emulate a culture, to take what they think is a beautiful part or pieces of the culture, put it on top of themselves, but still get all of the advantages. And if you don't know what something like that is called, tis called appropriation. Somewhat on topic because of when we're recording, but I also think it helps with this explanation. Have you seen The Nightmare Before Christmas? No. I love you. I'm going to explain it to you. That hurts your soul a bit because it's a movie that you enjoy greatly. I do because I love Christmas and I love Halloween. Tim Burton is very slowly improving, but like in general, still racist doesn't like to draw black people or really any people of color unless they're in like some sort of racial stereotype slowly i think there have been one or two things that don't necessarily fit that but i'm not the right person to comment on those regardless i'm going to tell you how this fits you have jack the pumpkin king in his little halloween world okay chilling in halloween world discovers that there's this thing called christmas jumps over to this christmas land loves it loves some ideas of it wants to kind of like take the aesthetic and make himself the center of the holiday as sandy claus takes the aesthetics and the ideas that he thinks about what's going on but has misinterpreted and misrepresented them goes back to where he's from tries to force everyone to do this stuff or really opens them up to this and people say oh hey that's pretty cool knowing nothing about the background and then he fucks up christmas <laughs> because he tried to take something that belonged to someone else and embody it without knowing why things are the way that they were what the traditions were why it was important what's important what's not important this whole he took the wrapping paper and left the present and tried to call it christmas and it is the perfect representation of cultural appropriation. It genuinely is. All this to say, when you have this shift between what it looks like to have money and what that should look like on your body, when that shift changes, when you have the shift happens to where the color of your skin is no longer a moral compass to whether you're closer or further from God, but it becomes what many white people would say is like a marker of the cool factor, which people don't want to talk about, but white people it's in your brain. It is, it's there just like niceness. And people want to take bits and pieces of what black culture is and consume it. So when it comes to white people feeling okay, talking about their skin at that time, it's because they think that this tan is getting them close to blackness but not in embodying, not in supporting the community, just on the surface level, just their wrapping paper. So they want to talk to people about skin color then because they think that the only time it's appropriate to talk about skin color is if you're talking about a person of color or a black person. Rarely do I have conversations 
with my white friends about how light their skin is, unless it's someone like you, where seriously, you're a porcelain doll. Like in year round, I will tell you this, your veins, you can see them. You would be like a vampire's dream. I'm nodding enthusiastically at that. <laughs> Don't know why I'm so enthusiastic about that. I, yes, I, I would be a good vampire feast. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's Halloween, tis the season. Might as well be enthusiastic. <laughs> I don't know. I guess the appreciation versus appropriation thing is going to continue to be a struggle until until people realize not everything you think is cool is for you. And that's okay. There are plenty of things that are for you. And there are plenty of ways that you can get near those things that are cool to appreciate them and support them. But that doesn't mean that you have to like take and embody these things. And our fashion industry has done a number on this you can at least look to beaded purses feathered headdresses my god hoop earrings uh high school moccasins were a huge thing remember i was guilty of that i wore moccasins in high school with my high school uniform i did Mm -hmm. I i wore moccasins headscarves turbans and it's something that exactly as we mentioned someone somewhere along the way was like i like this piece i'm going to take it out of context mm-hmm. and we're going to make it fashion and then we are going to make it fashionable for the white people yes and i love that you brought up headscarves with this because if you think that headscarves just look elegant like if if that's what you as a fashion individual are like i think that this would be an incredible accessory yep I want to talk about how to bring it back. I think it would be important to look at who already uses headscarves, head wraps, any sort of cover, whether it's cover for their hair, maybe part of the forehead. Is it all hair or is it just to hold it tight? Like maybe do some research on, are there certain ways of creating the headscarf attire or tying this headscarf attire or certain patterns that are significant to people that aren't me. Is it a religion? Is it um, a country? Is it an ethnic group? You know, is it, so to look across the board and to try and actually do the research to recognize, hey, this is already significant to someone. So we can do a lot of things, but these certain things we can't do. And then if you want to make it high fashion, that's fine. I'm not going to say not to. I am going to say you damn well better be on top of the news when there are certain places around the world who are going to have a headscarf ban or a face a face mask ban because what was it? It was France. It was illegal to wear the headscarf and face covering until COVID hit. Then everyone had to wear a face mask. Well, you just... You just said that that we couldn't. You just enabled this burqa ban. Pull your shit together. Because you want to be able to identify people by their face. Well, good fucking luck in this climate. Give me a hat, a pair of sunglasses, and a face mask, and there's no way. I mean, my personality gives me away. But, like, (laughs) in a picture, you wouldn't be able to tell. It's like, you have to go back to the community and do that work. You have to. You have to stay on top of the news with shit like that. You have to. If you are going to 
look at something and try to remix it and change it and open it up to more people. Maybe modest fashion is kind of your thing and you want to enable that. Maybe there are already brands doing the work. How do you get involved there? You don't have to just see something like it and take it away. It also comes up in such small ways. I know we're going from fashion to kind of consumerism as well, but Mm -hmm. Lynx is a personal care brand for men. It's just branded Lynx, I believe in Europe, but in the States it's known as Axe. So it's different deodorant, kind of body wash, body spray, shampoo, stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. Lynx has a scent called Africa. Stop. Hard stop. What the flying fuck? It's not like they have an entire like continent line of here's Australia, here's Asia, here's North America, South America, Central America, Europe. No, it's literally just one of their sins. They have deemed Africa. I'm so confused. That continent is huge. Like, did they just fly over with, I I don't even know how you would do this, like a a giant bag? (laughs) Just like scoop up air? Several glass (laughs) bottles and just scooped it up. (laughs) You go back and you just combine them all in a room and you're like, what does it smell like? No, I guarantee that's not what happened. You know what I think happened there? Racism. Mm. Sounds like racism, doesn't it? Not to mention, I mean, I'm going to say that that is like right on par with what I would expect. I have not, I have not had good experiences with Axe. So I have been Axe bombed where someone, they tape down. Oh, yes, I know. They tape it down and then they toss it in a room and then they close the door. Yep. That's happened to me. It was in high school. And this was the worst though. Are you ready? My dad wanted to change up his scents because he had been wearing the same scent of aftershave and cologne since, since I remember he tried to go to Axe. Yeah. It only lasted like a couple of weeks. My siblings and I, I think we took everything, we hit it and then we replaced it with his old spice. And we were like, I'm sorry, sir. You can't like, this is the scent that I know from you. And he's like, well, I just want to be like young and hip. Like the cool young kids use this. And I was like, no, they do not. Listen to me. You are my father. And it is important that I know what you smell like. That way in a crowd, I can be like, no, you're not my dad. And run away if someone smells like Axe. I went through a period where I I liked Axe. I think I was dating a guy that wore it and I got like a teeny tiny little can of it because he gave me one of his hoodies so I would like spray it outside and very far away and just like a little like cheek and so that you know the hoodie would kind of be scented with that I mean is that something that I still do with like my girlfriend's hoodie and her perfume yeah but I just I just kind of I just enjoy that because yes Uh it's a scent that you have associated with someone but my god that stuff is ridiculously powerful Mm -hmm. I haven't had good luck and here's the thing I don't I don't know if it's because of like the people I grew up with maybe there are facets of little people groups of people where Axe is like a signifier of something lovely and wonderful, but uh, 
I am unfamiliar with those groups. It's it's not in this particular universe that we have, perhaps in another mm. dimension. <laughs> mm. Fair. I... <laughs> Sorry, it has me thinking of um. If you, if you could design your house or apartment or your living space any way that you wanted to, would you have a separate bedroom for sex? I know. And I, I realize that this is a fantasy world because we're millennials. And so the oh, idea concept. that we'd be able to like. No. Okay. I don't think so. Because my mind would immediately go to kind of like a, I don't know, like a kink room or dungeon. I don't know why. It's it's just because that's the only concept or idea that I have uh-huh. for that. Like if you have a room specifically designed for for sex. Um, no, I really don't think I would because I think it can happen in just like any room of the of the house. So no. My brain just went to first, you're like, if you could like design a house and my first immediate thought is if I had unlimited money for how to design a house, the first thing I would do is hire someone in acoustics, someone for acoustics, someone for interior design, obviously slash like feng shui of a room. I want to know where the energy flows best legitimately. And then I would just hire a chef. Mm-hmm. Would you? I, I've thought about it because it, tell me your line of thinking. Cause I guess I'm not seeing any, unless you want to keep. There are some ways to have sex that are messy or like whipped cream or candle wax. Like why go through the good sheets with all of that? If you could have like a separate play area. That's true. That is. Yeah. But like th- that's my thought behind it. It's not like yeah. this is where we go when we want to do this. But like, hey, maybe we don't use chocolate sauce on top of our velvet couch. So I do. Okay. I see. I see what you're what you're saying. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm going because I'm thinking you. like okay. it it doesn't have to be like a full bedroom, but like a no decent sized room where there's like nice bed and then still like a, even just like a a small just small bathroom attached to it. That way you can still clean up, decompress. But that so that's my thinking. Like if I if I could design a house. I would, I've, so I've thought about this a lot and I would want, I'd want to make sure that I could be on enough land to where I could, my front yard would basically just be like pollination area. Just everything for pollinators wouldn't really have grass in the front yard too much. I would want to be close to possibly a grass park or even um if that wasn't possible then i probably wouldn't use grass in my front yard i'd probably do something similar to moss depending on where i was living how dry or wet it was moss lawns moss lawns 2021 yes yep that was such an amazing concept i know it's one that even like my family would have loved because it's like that's the thing that you freaking hate doing in the summertime is Mm -hmm. mowing your lawn like once Mm -hmm. a week and you feel this like you're like oh i have to i have to keep up 
keep up with the Joneses and yep. have everything tidy. And then it's just like, you just have a moss lawn and it's still green and you don't mm-hmm. have to take care of it in that way to cut mm-hmm. it. It's, it's amazingly sustainable. Yes. All for that. So with where I live right now, I mean, it's, it's a desert. It snows, but it's a desert. So something like moss probably wouldn't be the most sustainable option, but I would want to look for something like that. Cause I'd love to be able to go outside, play yard games, hang out, be barefoot. I want that. And I, do, but I just don't want the water suck. And also I want like the big pollination, beautiful little bumblebee friends to hang out with me because please support the bees. And then in my backyard, I would want, I don't know if it'd be front yard or backyard, but regardless anywhere, I would want to do like veggie boxes and a veggie garden anything that I could do there that would fit with the seasons, you know, learn how to actually rotate crops so I can make sure I'm not just taking from the soil, but actually giving back to it, how to cycle it, what plants to grow together. So I'd want that. And then from a house, I want it to look like a witch lives there. Genuinely like the super pointy, all black houses. I want that, but I want like all the tiles to be like all the roofing tiles. I want them to be solar (laughs) because that would be really nice. But yeah, I would want, so I want my master bedroom, bathroom. Definitely. I would want like the separate fun room. I would want a guest room and a separate bathroom for them. And I would want like a nice kitchen because I like to cook. And I don't feel like I need a huge dining room, but even if it was like a small dining room that was attached to like the TV room or a sitting nook or something to where I could extend a longer table if I needed to or wanted to, to have people over. But I mean, I'm talking about like bungalow size, cool house. Like I don't, I remember when I was little and you would talk about with your friends, like, oh, we're going to get a big house. We'll live in it together. It's going to be 20 rooms. And I was like, I'll be in the servants' quarters. And it's not because I don't love you all, but like, I don't need 20 people's farts in my nose. Thank you. Thanks. No, thanks. I'll come over all the time, or you guys can come over all the time. We'll hang out outside, but like, I don't need to live with that many people. I've lived with, I mean, we have lived in houses with lots of people. Yeah. And it was too many people. I like that you've thought about your future living holistically and I just have like pieces that I want (laughs) in my mind. Yeah. Like I would, and as I'm sitting here talking it through, I'm like, they're all lounging pieces. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like I want a swing in my backyard on my back. That's not where I thought that sentence was ending. (laughs) <laughs> keep it keep it at pg joe i want a no legitimately i want a swing in my backyard one of those like lounge things because that's my favorite thing to do in the summertime not tan i want to go sit on that with a book and then end up taking a nap after uh-huh. i've read for a little bit in the sunshine but still i have shade so it's just kind of warm out uh-huh. i want a hammock indoors I want a hammock indoors or some chair that's suspended from the ceiling. That's something that I can also kind of swing in. I just love 
the hammocks and kind of being suspended that way. And there's no reason you can't have a hammock indoors. It's just something people don't do. So free your mind of those restrictions. And then I just want like an L-shaped sofa that has the little thing underneath that you can pull out. So it turns into like a giant square, like a giant rectangle. Those things are amazing. You're incredible. You are so much a cat. Right? I'm literally just thinking of places that I can take naps in. (laughs) (laughs) And this would be nice if it was warm. And that would be nice if it was warm. Yeah, Yeah, you're a cat. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Gestures toward cat in background. Um, I don't know. I get, I've, so I've thought about it. I've thought about it a, a lot, what I would want to look for in a place where I would want to live. I know that the idea of tiny houses got super gentrified and popularized because we hate trailer parks, but we would love tiny house communities. Um, you know, the idea of van living, we hate homeless people, but we love the idea of van life. Yeah. So that whole gentrification of small living or different types of homes has been taken over by whiteness and tried to be rewritten for a long time. And this is, this is the same with a lot of different queers, regardless of who I know that there's a huge desire in the community. And for a long time, I had the same desire to work together with a bunch of people, get a swath of land and do our best to just live off the land, have our own happy not commune, but just community kind of commune, just supporting one another, figuring out who's good at good at what, giving them the support that they need, you know, kind of separating yourself from all the bullshit around you. I wanted that for, for a long time. I did. And it got to the point where I was like, that's it. That's it. Like, I'm going to go. Why would I not? Whatever. But then I realized how how shit I would feel about doing that because I would be leaving behind all of these people that are part of my community or aren't part of my community, but I am still in a place to be able to support them. And I would be running away from my own comfort while I have so much privilege to use. So I'm not saying that for every person, it's a bad decision or for every person, it's a good decision. I'm just saying that for me, I realized like, damn, no, like, can't run away (laughs) look at the color of my skin i'm cis like there's certain that like i just gotta stay i gotta help i can't do it but i had that huge desire so when i started rethinking about what it would look like i want to be honestly i want to be that weird funky house like i don't say in the town center but i want to be somewhere where like the food that i grow can actually go toward people that want to eat it where the pollinators can kind of buzz around and help other people where, you know, I don't need to have a car, but I can walk to things. So I would, there's so much that I've thought about where I would want to live and what I would want to do. And so much of it centers around like community support and being like a safe haven. So much of it, so much of it. Look at you being all skulls and ghosts and spooky on the outside but sunshine and flowers and veggies on the inside hey 
Hey, not all the time. I'm scary on the inside too. I live in this head. Holy hell. It's terrifying in here. <laughs> and that's on mental illness. Um, you keep saying that. And if I'm including it in the edit, that's the second time. And it's going to become a tagline <laughs> of the show. <laughs> and that's on mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... We all have our things. I have I have a friend who I'm excited for is starting to move toward therapy. And I think it's starting to get on track to like get in a regular groove with it. Awesome. And I think that it's very good. They're doing it for them. They realize how different they are from where they were. And they want to figure out why and what's salvageable and what can they create for themselves cool so i'm pumped about it there are also a lot of people that i wish would go to therapy i do as well and i'm coming from a place primarily of i feel that there are some individuals that rely too heavily on their friends and family members to be a constant open ear or sounding board. And I mean, I am not referring to having the support of your loved ones. I'm referring to specific examples that I know several people who daily, multiple times a day, speak to their friends or family members consistently to kind of complain or kind of talk through certain problems that they're going through and to get their viewpoint and opinion. You should be in therapy in that case because that is putting a strain on the relationship that I'm sure you're not even aware of. Because if it's getting to that point where you need support daily, multiple times a day, I, I think that's time to seek actually someone whose kind of job it is yeah. to be able to kind of talk you to talk you through this. And I think that some people lose sight of that, whether yeah. it's, you know me really well, so I want to do these things with you. And I want to talk about this with you because you have this understanding. But when it comes to that all the time, it, it puts a lot of stress on relationships. I've been there where it's, um, it's tiring. It's tough. It's tough to tell someone you're strong, you're smart, you're capable, you're having a tough time right now and that's okay. Here are the things that you say are important to you. Here are the things that you say are how you can do this. How do we move forward with that? You know, it's, it's so much therapizing the relationship that sometimes it stops feeling like a friendship or a relationship. You know, it starts feeling more like, like you're their therapist. And I, I don't want to be in that position. I don't want my advice changing someone's life. I mean, like I, for my friends, I hope it does when it's on like the one-off, like, no, you're incredible. You should absolutely go give that person your number. Yeah. Fine. Even when it comes to bigger things, being able to talk about the things that I think are important to you. Absolutely. But if you need my help making life decisions every single day, my concern is that you might resent me for thinking that I'm trying to steer you one way or another. I, 
I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. Yep. But also if it's someone that you're speaking with daily and yeah, that also depends on kind of how good that relationship is. You may not be getting advice that's kind of appropriate for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You may also come to resent that person. If you're speaking with them daily, maybe they're unavailable or they go on vacation for some time. And then you all of a sudden don't have that support and you've Mm -hmm. been kind of leaning on them or using them as a crutch. And then you're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? Because that's the thing that I feel that most uh, people or uh, kind of friends or other family members that are helping you through a situation is there to lend an ear, maybe offer some advice. But I don't know if they're trying to work themselves out of that position. Because that's also what a therapist is going to help you do is come up with ways that you can kind of support yourself the next time you come into that difficult situation, what can you do to feel more empowered or kind of encounter just combat what you're going through? Mm-hmm. But it's tough. I think that's something that um, I don't say everyone's been guilty of it, but I know that I have where. Oh, me too. Yeah. Where like I'm constantly telling people the bad shit happening in my life, not to look for comfort, but just to kind of unburden myself. Yep. But then I forget they also don't see like all the really cool things that happen. Yeah. One really cool thing that happened, I was driving a couple days ago. And some dude was walking on a medium with a mask, just with a sign that said, vote him out. And I was like, that is a really cool thing. And I am really happy that I saw that. That makes today a good day. But it's a small, like, didn't tell anyone about that. You know, am I going to tell them that I lost a nipple ring? Yeah, I'm going to tell them that I lost a nipple ring. And that I'm frustrated about it. And I'm sad about it. Don't worry. It was recovered. I'm decorated as I should be. But like the things that you talk about, the things you complain about, the support that you look for, sometimes I think that we forget to go on the flip side and share like the funny, silly things, which is where I think things like social media can come in in handy. I send you a lot of things (laughs) and it's the way that I show you my love. I do it too, right back to you. (laughs) Thinking of you, love you. Yep. I've I've had people in my life be like, please stop sending me TikToks. I I need I need <laughs> you to not do that, not bombard me with sending TikToks. So I have to choose them very specifically mm. which ones I want to share. But something that we will probably see in social media tomorrow is it's Intersex Awareness Day. Yes. Which is incredibly important. I'm so glad you brought it up. Okay. Intersex struggle is right there with bodily autonomy. And so when people are touting bodily autonomy, especially in the political climate where we are and possibly abortion rights for all people being stripped away, the the right to someone to make decisions about their own body is incredibly important. It, it, I mean, it's, it's permeated everywhere in medicine, but it's the idea that everyone has from fifth grade science, XX, female, woman, XY, male, man. And that that's supposed to be it. But there's so many variances that happen in that. I mean, there are people who 
are born either XX or XY and they do have ambiguous genitalia. There are people who are, what is it? So it's the XXY, I think is the one that people tend to be most familiar with. And there are some very harsh words and language that are used for people with that genetic makeup. But I, I mean, to do surgeries on these little kids to be able to get them to fit what you think they're going to be and to tell the parents, okay, well, we did surgery on this very small, brand new human to the outside world. And because the genitals that we provided, uh, you know, is a penis, you're going to raise this person as a boy. But that's horrible. To have all that misinformation, not to say that the person can't be a boy, because again, that's a gender, but to to give this person that kind of misinformation so that if they get sick, if they get hurt, if they have to go to the hospital, you know, if they're doing things on their own and making decisions about their own life, to not give them the right information about their body, to perform surgery on someone's body when they're an infant. And yes, I also think that we should talk about what happens to penises right after they're born. But it is important to recognize the value and the humanity of people who don't fit your idea of what the, I don't know, dichotomy of sex looks like. There's not two. There aren't two sexes. That's not science. It's not. Don't want to, not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, just saying it's not true. You're going to learn when you're very little things that are super simple, things that tend to make up the majority of what you're looking at when you're talking about these really, really interesting subjects. But then you learn the exceptions and you learn the gray areas and you learn how things came about and how they're different, how they're interesting. I just bodily autonomy is so important and the right to make decisions about your own body is so important. It truly, it truly is. And it's just crazy to me that, you know, even something that we would have on the U S census for gender male or female, it's kind of it. You're lucky if you even see like an other option. And yet when talking about like your race or nationality, people will like check off white amongst a list of maybe like 10 other options and it's also typically those white folks that are like here please take my saliva random company and tell me the exact percentage and composition for oh my gosh am i german or irish oh my gosh look the fact that they would be too bothered selecting their gender or sex from a list that may contain more than just two options it's just really not that difficult. Again, it, it's not coming from a point of like, oh my gosh, there are all these terms. Where are they coming from? I have to keep up with them. Oh my gosh, as a straight cis person, I'm just so confused by it. No, it's always been that way, especially as you mentioned, recognized by our scientific and medical community. It's just getting to a point where we can be inclusive and representative enough. I I didn't know about this movie until just right now because 
internet, but it looks like a movie XXXY came out in the year 2000. It's about 13 minutes long. Cool. But it's about, from what I can see, two intersex people. I'm excited. I'm going to have to give that a watch. That'd be important to try and put some more some more eyes on these kind of issues, especially because it was released so recently. And I don't think that there's a lot out with voices from who are intersex people, not that they don't exist, but I think that something that was, it looks like it had, has a few awards. So being able to be well-received, I think is important as well, just for it being, just for people being familiar with it. I think what we're seeing is we have a bunch of people making decisions about lots of things whose understanding is at a fifth grade level. And that's not against people with learning disabilities. I'm not talking about people who needed to drop out of school. It's for people who have the ability and not the desire or wherewithal to continue to educate themselves or recognize that they're not the one that should be making this decision because they don't have all the information. And I'm going to harp on someone that we brought up earlier and we're just going to go right for it. Amy Cohen Barrett. If you bring your tiny little bit of understanding that has been held back by the church and their lack of desire for people to have body bodily autonomy and their genuine lack of desire for people to have freedom. Amy Cohen Barrett, keep your hands off of me. <laughs> keep your hands off of marriage. The Pope just came out in support of same sex couples. Mm-hmm. Amy Cohen Barrett, you are Catholic. Are you not? Yeah. Are you going to disagree with the Pope? who is supposed to be at this point in time, in history, the closest representation and relation that we have with God. Well, he has like the most unhindered relationship with God to be able Thank to you. have a conversation. Thank you. Yep. You're going to disagree with them? Ta-da! Really? Sounds weird. Sounds like you really don't give a crap about the religion. You wanted to have these hateful ideations out in the world. And you used this thing as an excuse for it. And I'm not saying that that's only Catholics. Trust me, we can have, you and I could go on for days about this. But holy crap. She's using her children as, as pawns. And as excuses and arguments, she's going after queer people. She's going after any person with a uterus. Just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you're for women. It doesn't. How dare you disagree with the Pope? Look, I am not super into a a lot of things. But one thing that I do enjoy about this little Pope dude is, I mean, he was a liberation theologist. You know, he was with people for people doing the work. 
not just talking about it, not just being cozy, not just being comfy. So I, again, it's one of these hard things where it's like, some of the ideas you have, I feel okay about. And I think we could get to some common understanding, but you also hold power in an institution that I think is incredibly harmful. So trying to have that internal conversation is odd. I'm scared. Me too. Because you have stuff like that happening where she's coming in to kind of destroy stuff. And then you have completely separately in California, Georgia Gomez looking to be the, what is it? The first queer Latina. It's interesting that these things are all happening at once. I want more people in office who want to play among us. Yeah. It'd just be nice. It's okay to interact with the people. Did you know this? You don't have to be separate from us. You're allowed to interact with us. I mean, that's how you could actually have a good grasp on what your constituents want if you interact with them my god in a regular manner are you Mm -hmm. sure (laughs) Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe show that you're human too not just a lizard in a meat suit not that that's a conspiracy theory (laughs) this is a weird one so we we were recording in the morning as opposed to at night and i because i am myself i overslept my alarm and i wasn't sleeping at home (laughs) and and the weather was not great so so we were late recording it's sunday we both are gonna go watch the footballs joe is a fan I yep. am a fan adjacent. Yep. Because my partner enjoys the football. Yep. However, what I'm doing to celebrate something special for me, because I always got to do something special to keep me entertained to watch the footballs. Fair. The TikTok showed me that cranberry juice in Guinness is apparently delicious. You have to let me know. All right. Well, uh, in order for us to go to football, uh, let's wrap it up. So please, if you can, and because you love us, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you're listening to us. That'd be great. Uh, especially review if the things you have to say are nice. That'd yes, be good. I could use some serotonin. Uh, you can find us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are Unsensational JK on all platforms. And I'm pumped about it. Um, send us your topic suggestions via email to unsensationalpodcast at gmail.com or via the contact page on our website, unsensationalpodcast.com. Um, if you feel like you want to throw money at queer women, do it. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash unsensationaljk. This has been unsensational. Until next time, everyone. <laughs> Keep it intersexy. (laughs) I love it.